Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you all ready for the Bible today? I have to admit, I'm like really ready today. From a like, I just, I need to share this with you or I'm going to um, combust. And so I'm just thankful I mean, even if there was nobody in the room, I would just have to stand up here and share this because um, it's kind of eating me alive. And we've got this Holy Spirit class going on at the same time, and it's like all this overlap, and I'm like, oh, Lord, help me to remain focused this morning. Um, but, uh, you know, this morning, before I read that scripture to you, when we were in worship, I just had this picture in my mind uh, from the Lord of just Him pouring out His Spirit. And uh, I saw us like these, um, these pictures and uh, like the Holy Spirit being poured out, and we're all like these pitchers capturing or receiving the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And you know what you're supposed to do with the pitcher? Pour it out. Come on now, right? There you go. That's the message y'all go on home. No, just kidding. But like, I just, it's wonderful how the Lord just keeps pouring out His presence and His Spirit. I know I need it in my life, Amen. But, you know, this container is not meant to stay full all the time. It is meant to overflow and to pour out in other people's lives. Amen. And so I just encourage you, that is God's heart. He loves you and pours out his spirit on you, but he wants to see uh, him, himself, touching other people's lives through you. Amen. All right. Get into the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. Did y'all learn that, that when, you were, when you were in school? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. And when you do it in kids' class, what you do is you do like the really, really, this is, this is the get the energy out of five, four to you know, seven-year-olds, right? You do the really loud, the Bible, and you get this one kid who's in there, he's just like, ah, and he's got this screech, and you're like, Lord Jesus, make that stop. But... But then what you do is you use this cool little tool. You go, okay, now we're going to do it again. And we're going to see how quiet we can do it. And then you get these kids who are like, the Bible. And you're like, I'm totally manipulating you right now to calm you down and to quiet you. Hallelujah. Tools passed down from generation to generation of kids' ministry. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says this. When they saw the courage, would you say the word courage? When they saw the courage, like, like the t- Tony the Tiger, is that who it is? No, not Tony the Tiger, the other tiger. Anyhow, when they saw the I told you I'm a little wound up. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, I think I'm thinking the Wizard of Oz, that's it. When they saw the courage, the lion, not the tiger. Elizabeth's like going, she's praying right now. She's like, I have no idea what is about to come out of his mouth. I told you, I'm honest and transparent. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men from Goochland. I'm sorry, unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could not see the man who had been healed, or excuse me, because since they could see the man who had been healed, standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Um, This is the response of the religious rulers 
about Peter and John. It says that they were astonished. They took note that they, these men had been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you today, and we just thank you, God, so much for your word. And right now, um, you know, it's fun to have excitement and fun, but Lord, right now, we just position our hearts to hear from you, to hear from your word. God, speak. Father, speak by your Holy Spirit through your word to our hearts. Thank you for your ability to speak to every single one of us, um, even as you speak to all of us. Lord, we want to hear from you, each person, for our own lives, our own situations. And uh, Lord, I pray for the empowerment, the leading of your spirit to share what's in your heart today. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this story that I'm reading to you, um, just a blip out of right now in Acts chapter 4, it actually started um, a couple chapters before this. In Acts chapter 2, there was the day of Pentecost. And in the day of Pentecost, um, there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on everybody who was there. And people are, you know, praying in different languages. And I mean, it is pretty dramatic. It's like tongues like fire came and rested over people. And there was this empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And and back in Acts chapter 1, it says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. We, we take phone-ins too, but, you know, it is available online. Um, so it, the Lord said, you'll receive power and you will be my witnesses, right? Then in chapter 3, what happens is Peter and John, they're headed to the temple one day to pray. And there's a, a beggar laying there. Um, he's lame. He can't get up and walk. He has to be brought there every single day. And the, the beggar does what a beggar does. He asked Peter and John for money. And, you know, the beggar was, if you will, like a regular at the gate. Like he was like kind of a fixture there is the way that scripture um, depicts it. But there was nothing regular about Peter and John that day. Um, And it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 4, this is Peter's response. It says this, it says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. You get this picture like it was like he looked at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. I mean, it's like right here. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Holy cow. That's pretty dramatic. It'd be like walking by somebody with a wheelchair, and they they said, hey, could you spare some change? And you grab them by the hand and pull them out of the wheelchair. That's going to go really well or really bad, right? Um, in here, we're seeing this, like, this, this gift of healing manifest in this moment. Um, and remember, in chapter 2 of Acts was the baptism, this outpouring of the Spirit. And Acts chapter 1 said, you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit, and you will be my what? Witnesses. And here, it's kind of cool, like the Scripture says it. Holy Spirit comes down and outpours on them. And in Acts chapter 3, they're doing it. Isn't that interesting? That's a good pattern for our lives, isn't it? God says it, we receive it, and we do it. Man, we could just go home on that. I mean, that's, that's good Bible right there, right? And so in chapter 3, we see this miraculous healing. What's fascinating to me is the man is not asking for healing. 
There are lots of people in the New Testament, they're like, Jesus, I need this or I need that or will you do this for me? I need the seat, whatever it is. And this man just asks for money. And Jesus is like, I mean, excuse me, and Peter's like, eh, silver and gold have I none, but what I have in the name of the Lord Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And it's, it's this, it is a gift of healing, but it's a, it's a manifestation of a miracle. Um, you know, and, and you know that it was a quickening of the Holy Spirit. Like you, when you read the scripture, it's very obvious, especially when you read chapter one, two, and then three, you're like, the Holy Ghost is moving. Like the, the Lord is leading Peter to say these things and to do this people. And, and so he, he gets up and he responds by leaping and praising God. And the man follows Peter and John into the temple courts. And um, get this, the people in the temple courts, they recognize the man. They're like, we know that guy. And he's supposed to be down there, not up here. And he's supposed to be out there, not in here. And we know that he was been lame, and he's been lame from birth. I believe it said he was 40 years old. Y'all, that is, there's a lot of miracle going on there, right? And it says that in verse 10 of chapter 4, it says they were filled with awe or wonder and amazement. Like there's this oh, kind of thing. I think that's what God was going for. It was like, all of this is going on. This man walks in, he's leaping, he's praising God. They're like, we know that guy. Everybody's like, I know that guy. Surely he hadn't been faking it for 40 years. I mean, like, we know what's going on. And God has their attention. I think God wants to get some people's attention in life. And I think he wants to get their attention not to prove a point, but to win their heart because he loves them and he cares about them. You know, I know um, many times in my life when sharing with a skeptic and having been um, the chief of all skeptics myself at one point, um, or if I simply like sharing with someone and I feel like, you know what, I think God really wants to get this person's attention, I'll, I'll sometimes ask them, I'll, like, I'll, say, I'll say, what's like the one big thing you need God to do in your life? Or, like, what's one area where you just need God to move? You need him to do something. Or with someone who's, like, like a real skeptic, um, and I'll do this graciously, not contentiously, not like, and I'll just say, what would it take for you to believe that God sees you? And it's an interesting way because sometimes, because I, I really feel like sometimes people are, like, having a conversation in their head, and whether they share it with me or not, the Lord's taken note kind of thing. And I know in my own journey, like, I was in that place where I was like, you know, I, I don't know that this book is real. I don't know. Like, I know that if this book is true, that you're crazy not to follow Jesus. Like, that, that's just like, of course you should follow Jesus. But I was really, uh, when my parents went back to church when I was 15, I was like, I don't know. And so I had this secret prayer um, that I didn't tell people about. I said, God, if you're real, I'll serve you. It worked. Um, so God has their attention, right? They're in the temple courts, has their attention, and now it's like Peter's there and he's like, well, preacher's going to preach, right? Like he's just going to lay it out and he's just going to start sharing with them. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 12, it says, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, why do you stare at us? Like by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. I love that. 
just like takes the attention off himself. Verse 16 says this, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know is made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Then in verse 19, he goes, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. It's really cool because like, what's happening here is we see this really amazing pattern. Not like pattern like it always has to happen this way all the time, but it really is a cool pattern because we see this healing right, of this man. We see this supernatural miracle that gets everybody kind of in awe and like get, you know, gets the breath out of everybody's heart like, whoa, what is happening here, right? And what does Peter do? He shares the gospel. And what he just tells them about this Jesus, the good news that Jesus has come to pay for our sins. And then he just simply gives them an opportunity. He says, hey, you should repent and you should turn to God and that your sins may be wiped out is the way it says it in verse 19. It's really, it's not very complicated, is it? You can take pieces and parts of this and rearrange it and all that kind of stuff. You see in in Scripture, like, there's patterns and they do things in different ways and things like this, but it's just such a very clear thing. And when we back up to to chapter 1, you know, they're they're repeating what Jesus said in the Gospels. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem for the gift I have for you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Chapter 2, they receive the Holy Spirit, uh, is poured out on all of them. 3,000 people come to believe that day. It's like quite a party. That's a lot of baptisms in one day. Like, it's a lot going on right? Chapter 3 starts, Peter and John are on their way to pray, and they're like, well, here, here goes God just performing this miracle, and what do they do? They use that as an opportunity to just say, you see this Jesus who was crucified, he was crucified for you, and he gave his life for you. Here we are a couple weeks after Easter, and we've been celebrating the fact that our Jesus, and we've been honoring the fact that he went to the cross to pay for our sins, Amen and that we can have this new life in him. But you know, when we keep on reading, what's kind of cool is the book of Luke and the book of Acts are actually like Luke 1 and Luke 2. They're like, uh, the, the author, Luke, wrote a part one, that was the gospel of Luke, and part two was Acts, right? And you can see him like connecting them too. But like in our own lives, it's like we take this journey sometimes with calendar. It's like, in, in, in December, we're like, Jesus is born, whoop, whoop, like we're, the angels are singing, we're glorifying, like we're just, something amazing about the, the Christian calendar, right? You come to Easter and we're like, man, I'm going to keep on remembering what Jesus did on the cross until he comes back for me. I'm going to remember it again and again and again. Put that same oldie on the record player over and over and over again, because it's an oldie, but it's a goodie, amen? But you know, you keep on reading and what you see is that it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of like the Lord. It's like, all right, I've got this plan. And he like leads it up and he's like, you're it. And it's like, grab your pitcher, get filled, and go pour that out. And then get filled again and pour it out. And here's the thing. Some of us were like, well, you know what? I don't really know enough yet. Um, I ain't been schooled enough yet. Um, I need, I'm not really sure I understand uh, enough yet. And I just want to tell you all that stuff. If you know Jesus, 
Tell them what you know. You don't have to make stuff up, but whatever you do know matters. And whatever you have encountered with our real living God in Scripture, like that matters and it makes a difference. Don't hold yourself back. And the thing is, is it's probably not your voice telling you that. It's probably someone else's. And it's not the voice that you need, that you need to listen to. That day was really fruitful. It says that their number grew to 5,000. Just the men alone, it just continued to grow. Well, this amazing, like, really big story, like, it really inspires me. Um, y'all, that, like, people need Jesus. They need him in, the, in their lives. And it makes me go, like, I want to I wanna participate in this pattern. I want to pray for the sick. I want to Pray for miracles that matter in other people's lives. I want to share the good news that people can have a life in Jesus, and I want to see people have an opportunity to ask Jesus into their hearts. I just, that's one of my favorite things to do is just watch somebody in, in their interaction with Jesus go, yes, come into my life. What's interesting about this story is it turns dark really quick. Like, everybody's on the mountaintop until the people in charge find out. What happens is the religious rulers, they come against Peter and John. And it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 2, it says, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put him in jail until the next day. Why are they so greatly dis- disturbed? Well, because they're proclaiming Jesus, the resurrection, who they just, two months before, um, if, if, if three happens right after two, just a couple months before, Jesus had been you know, put on the cross and died, right? And rose from the dead. But they're teaching people, which is you know, like a, a threat to their, their power. Um, the religious leaders are going to question Peter and John and that ends up the next day. Like They bring him forward, okay, what are you doing, that kind of stuff. Well, that's just another opportunity for Peter, right? Preacher's going to preach. And he just starts telling them all over again. And so it's, it becomes another stage, if you will, for Peter to share the gospel. And after Peter describes how this happened, that this is in the name of Jesus and you know, in the authority of his name, they said this really, really profound thing that I opened up with today in verse 13. When they saw the courage, here's the thing. It, Jesus died for this stuff. I think Peter knew it's entirely possible that this is it for me. He's been arrested. Like this could have been it. But there's this boldness, this sincere boldness, and he's using every opportunity to tell people about Jesus. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they couldn't see the man, or excuse me, because they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there's nothing they could say. Um, when Peter and John are there, they're teaching in Solomon's um, colonnade, which is like part of the whole temple, um, uh, the, the whole temple structure there in Jerusalem, which is basically where everybody in, in Jerusalem went to church, right? That, like that, it was the temple. Well, they had this open colonnade. It was like these columns, and, and it was the place where rabbis 
would teach. Like that was like the normal thing. They would get out and they would teach and they would ask questions back and forth with the people. And it would be different rabbis. Like it was, you know, just different people. Like kind of like we have a preaching team. Like they would just have these different people who would share. And um, Jesus probably taught right there in that exact location, right? Um, And Jesus was a rabbi. But Peter and James, as far as we understand, were not recognized rabbis. Even though they followed Jesus and they learned under Jesus, just like anybody else would, there's no indication that they were recognized that way, which is kind of a bit of irony here, because the way that it all worked was who you learned under is what mattered. So if you were a rabbi, you'd be like, well, it'd be like us going, well, I went to Harvard, you know, so have you heard of it, you know, kind of thing. It'd be like, you know, I sat under Gamal, have you heard of him? You know, people, you know, they would feel good about themselves, right? That's kind of how it worked. Well, Peter and James sat under G- Peter and John. Excuse me. Thank you, babe. Um, by the way, for those of you listening to the recording, thank you, babe, was addressed to my wife. Um, <laughs> important facts. Back to our regularly scheduled program. Peter and John sat under Jesus. That's a pretty good one, Right? I'm thinking that's a good one to sit under. And um, they learned at Jesus' feet, but the, the people hadn't really made that connection yet necessarily, right? Until they make this, they say this sentence. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were, they were unschooled men. They were ordinary men. Um, and they were men with courage. Uh, They had an answer, right, for the challenge of the day, and they had a conviction, and they were, if you will, they were full of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, it says right before Peter addresses the group of religious leaders, it says, full of the Spirit, he says. Like, like it's him having this answer. But, like, part of the point of what's going on in this Scripture when he says, these are unschooled, ordinary men who had been with Jesus, that is supposed to read through to you and I. We're not supposed to read it and go, oh, go Peter. I, I love Peter. Peter's amazing. No, you're supposed to connect with Peter in this, at this point. You're supposed to look at that and go, Peter was a fisherman. Jesus said, come and follow me. He spent time with Jesus. He learned from Jesus, and now he's doing the things that Jesus did. And we're supposed to connect with the unschooled ordinariness of it and yet the courage that he has, because we know that courage didn't come from himself. That courage came from the Lord. Because that same, that same guy who thought he had all the courage, Jesus, I'll be with you to the very end, denies Jesus three times on his way to the cross. And yet now he's with this great... They noticed his courage, this unschooled, ordinary person. And we're supposed to look at that and go, hmm, that's me. And the thing is, Being with Jesus changes you. Being with Jesus changes things. So interesting that one of the very things that Jesus told them in John chapter 15, when he knew the cross was coming, he said, remain in me. Remain in me. He knew they were about to be traumatized by this cross. Remain. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to remind you of everything that I said. He's going to reveal to you the things that I tell him to reveal to you. Like, you need, like this, there's this connection still that they have in their relationship with Jesus. But I, I just love this idea that being with Jesus changes you. They took note 
that these men had been with Jesus. I've got to tell you, this, this phrase just got a hold of me in my like, personal week this week. And I was thinking about some things, and I was praying about some things, and, um, and I was thinking about, like, God, like, I sincerely, I would love for people when I'm, like, old and barely getting around, I would just love for people to go, that guy has been with Jesus. Like, rather than remembering your name and remembering what you've done or remembering, like, like, wouldn't it be cool if your life, that people just went, you know what, I think Bobby was with Jesus. You know, I think Debbie, I think she barely spent time with Jesus. Like, I think she really knew him. Like, I think that's like an amazing like, thing to go, yeah, that's what I want people to say, that I know that person was with Jesus. Um, I was telling you earlier that, you know, when my parents went back to church, I was like 15, and I was not having it, didn't want to have anything to do with God. I was an atheist and turned agnostic. I was everything but a Christian uh, because I knew what being a Christian meant, and I did not want to have anything to do with it because I knew it would cost me everything. And I, but um, I, I had that prayer, and I said, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And um, it was May 5th, 1992, which is 30 years ago, someday this week, Friday, 30 years ago, Friday. Thursday, Friday, somewhere in there. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But 30 years ago, um, May 5th, I was, um, I went to the hospital, Johnson Willis, with a buddy of mine from church. And um, he said, uh, we were going to go pray for, well, I wasn't going to pray, I was an atheist, I didn't I didn't care. Oh, that's the wrong way to say it. It's an agnostic. I didn't have any. I just was visiting a friend who had had an operation. So me and this buddy from the youth group, I had all these friends from youth group because my parents made me go to church. Good call, parents, by the way. They forced me to go to church. I had no, man. My dad tells stories about how I would dress terrible on a Sunday morning just to see if he'd leave me at home. <laughs> didn't work. Um, anyhow, so we go to the hospital and we go up to, um, her name is Susan, and she had had this operation, and the youth pastor happens to be there and a few other of the youth. And here I am, and the youth pastor looks at me and goes, hey, you want to pray for Susan, Mike? Lead us in prayer. He knows. Like, he knows, knows, knows. We've had hours of conversation. Gray is probably coming in his hair at this point. Like, I made him into a youth pastor. I mean, just kidding. But he, he asked me, and I was like, no, right? So they pray, and we walk out of the hospital, and there's these two teenage girls sitting on a bench on the way out. And I always think it's interesting that this happened where my mother worked for decades. I think she has probably prayed in this building many times for me. I'm walking out. They said, hey, you got a cigarette? Well, I had a half a carton in the car. And I know how this works, right? It's like, yeah, let me get you a cigarette. You got a, what's your phone number? You know, what's your digits? Like, you, know, you know how this works. Y'all are a little creeped out right now, aren't you? You're like, <laughs> I didn't even know that, that Pastor Mike existed. Well, he wasn't Pastor Mike, I can guarantee you that. Um, and so, but in that moment, I thought, that's not who I am anymore. That's not who I want to be. And I had had a couple things, and if I had more time, and you'll hear it at other times and other messages, a couple of things that happened the previous two or three weeks that I was like, wait, what was that God kind of moments? 
And I looked at these two young ladies in that moment. It was just like, no, that's not who I want to be. And I looked at them. They said, do you have a cigarette? And I looked at them and I said, do you have a Bible? My buddy with me looks at me and he's like, what the? Like, he's just like, he has no idea what's going on. And I witnessed to them. I haven't even accepted Jesus yet. You know, I was done for. So we get in the car and we're driving home and I, I pull over to McDonald's and I throw my cigarettes out. My buddy in the car is just like, I don't know what even, it, it, like maybe the multiverse is real. Like, I don't even know. He's like, has no idea what's going on right now, right? And so I, um, I go home and I looked at him and I'd been hanging out with Christians for a long time by this point. So I looked at him, I said, I'm going to go up in my room and get saved. I've got all the Christianese. I said, you want to come up and pray and agree? He's like, uh, yeah. So we go up in my room, and I'm up there, and I had been struggling with faith for a long time. I went into that room where I had prayed many times, if you're real, I'll serve you. And I began to pray, and I said, God, I don't pray too much, because like these lights in my face right now, I, there was a light on in my room, and I said, I hope that light it was, didn't have a shade. Was, the memory wasn't going to distract me. I'm like, God, I don't pray too much. The light turns off. And my buddy's looking out the windows in the neighborhood, and he's looking in the house, and he's like, they're all on. It's God. <laughs> and I began to um, pray, and I began to repent for my sins. And I decided to do kind of an all-in lump prayer, because if I did them all, I'd still be there probably praying. Um, and just ask God to forgive me of my sins and to save me. And I gave my life to him. Hopped in my car and drove to the the same youth pastor's house. And I said, will you pray for me for the baptism of the Spirit? He prayed and nothing happened in that moment. But at the end of the month, May 30th, I got baptized in water and I came up praying in tongues. Found out years later, there was another young lady that church that day who got baptized. The one who I called Hun, babe, my wife. Just happened to have gotten baptized that same day. I'll tell you, when I went into the baptism water, um, when Pastor Steve pulled me out of the water, I felt the old might go down as he pulled me up. And I could feel what Scripture talks about, burying the old man. And you know, I am so thankful. And I know, even as I'm telling my story, aren't you thankful for your story? It doesn't matter how dramatic or undramatic your story is. You have to hear Brenda's story. Like Brenda tells the story about her daughter witnessing to her and saying, you are not going to the same place that I'm going. And basically saying, Mom, you're going to go to hell, and I'm going to go to heaven. You need to accept Jesus. Her little, her little girl led her to Jesus. I mean, and the thing is, is people have to have an opportunity to respond. And what's great is God doesn't give us a mission and send us out unprepared. He makes us a vessel that can be poured into that he can pour out his Holy Spirit in. Because really, he wants to do the heavy lifting. He doesn't actually want to rely on how smart you are, how capable you are, how articulate or not articulate. As a matter of fact, it really shows off God's glory when he uses ordinary, unschooled people. And it says in Acts 4.12, this is one of the things that Peter states, he says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given but to mankind which um, we must be saved. And I just want to encourage you, maybe, maybe today you're listening um, to this message, whether it's the recording live or in person, 
maybe you believe in God, but you've never asked him to come into your life. Well, he wants to make you a vessel that he pours into. And he wants to give you brand new life. And it's not a complicated thing. It's really a heart thing. You cry out to him and you say, God, will you forgive me of my sin? I want my life to be in your hands. And really, it's a decision to make him in charge rather than you in charge. And you don't have to live long to know being in charge of your own life is way overrated. And that was my struggle with God, was I know this is going to cost me everything. But I will tell you, best decision, best decision. And maybe you've been battling with God. I just want to encourage you, like he's just going to, he's going to stand there and wait graciously. He's not going to tackle you, but he's going to receive you and run to you the moment you come towards him. And he wants to give you new life. If you're in a place today where you need to cry out and you need to ask God to come into your life, I just want to encourage you today to pray that prayer and say, Jesus, come and save me. Forgive me. And I want to have a new life in you today. And if you're making that decision here in the service uh, in person today, don't leave this building without letting me pray with you because I am so excited for you. Heaven throws a party every time someone gives their life to Jesus. If you're online or listening to the podcast, I want to know about it as well. Go to victorychristian.church, click on next steps, and let us know about it. Now, and, and we want to connect with you because it's such a big deal. Um, will you stand with me? I want to pray with you for, um, before we conclude today. So after the, the Pharisees and, the, or, and the, the, the religious rulers harassed them, good. It says that this, it says in 418, so they called them in again, they commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we can't help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let him go. They couldn't decide how to punish him because the people were praising God for what had happened for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. It says that they went back to their other believers and they told them everything that God had done. And it says they prayed. The place where they were was shaken and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and they went out and preached with boldness. It's, it's like you see like in the scripture, it's like this cycle. It's like go get filled up go pour it out. Go get filled up. Go pour it. What is that? Recycle or rinse and repeat? Yeah, that phrase. I want to pray for you today. And as I close, if you today, maybe you need a miracle in your life. You need God to do something. As we're dismissing today, come up here and I want to ask some of our leaders to come and make sure Everyone who needs prayer, receive some prayer today. We're going to pray in faith for you today. Maybe you need to stand in faith for someone today, somebody who needs a miracle. And you're like, I just want to pray for so-and-so's miracle today. Come on up here and pray. The thing is, our God does amazing things. And we want to have faith and trust in the things that he can do because he can do the impossible. Amen? Father, we come before you today. And we are humbled 
at your greatness. God, I love how Peter and John gave honor and credit and focus to you. It really wasn't about them. It was about the fact that they had been with you. God, that's the cry of our heart. Lord, that we would know you, be with you, be filled with your presence. And God, that we would be so useful in your hands. Thank you, Lord God, for your great power and your great might. Lord, I pray for our own hearts that the limitations would come off of our own thinking and our own hearts because, Lord, it's really about you and being glorified and about you getting people's attention. And I pray that you would fill our, 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 our lives, Lord, with your spirit, not just to um, pray for amazing things for people, but, God, fill our hearts and our mouths with your words that people will have an opportunity to know you, Jesus, to call upon you as their Lord. God, we love you and we worship you. We are humbled to be yours. I also pray today, Father, for those who feel like they don't know enough, they don't measure up, they feel too ordinary, too unschooled. Lord, I ask you to just remove that lie because, Lord, what we need is your presence your Holy Spirit, moving and operating in people's lives. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.